This is Mike Maniscalco. You're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thanks, Mike. Welcome back, folks. Thank you for tuning in with us. Back at the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That is Matt. Um... What can you say, man? This is really not the best week for the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, the big news, probably going to be in the title. The biggest story, really, one of the bigger stories around the entire league and definitely for the Hurricanes right now is the torn ACL to star 22-year-old forward Andrei Svechnikov. He is going to be out the rest of the season and playoffs, in case you hadn't heard. Um, I think he was scheduled or scheduled to have surgery tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember Thursday. I think yeah, Thursday, which is the which is tomorrow when we're recording this, right? Um, so obviously a huge blow to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, it's going to take up a lot of time tonight, I guess, because there's there's a lot of topics we're going to talk about with that. I mean, there <laughs> me and Matt were talking about it beforehand. What we're going to talk about tonight? It's like. There's a lot of different areas and angles we need to explore within that one occurrence. Um, sucks, man. Really, really tough to watch any young player uh, go through something like this. And, <laughs> and, you know, not that this is a comparison for everybody, I guess, but it, it really reminds <laughs> the Braves and, and Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, seeing like a star player go down with such a significant injury like this, like, it just sucks. And that's my favorite baseball player on my favorite on my baseball team. And now, like, really, Svechnikov's always been my favorite Hurricane. I just love the way he plays. He's an asshole. He's physical. He's really good. I love that. And So, have, Brandon, are you saying that you should <laughs> I stop being a Hurricanes I, fan? Because that's wait, what I'm hearing. Wait, what? Because your favorite players on your favorite teams get oh, hurt. I thought you were going to go a different direction and say the year that the Braves – that that happened – the Braves won the World Series. Oh uh, no, no! I'm taking it around as in it's 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 personally your fault for. Look at you, always so there. negative all the time. I'm over here trying to be positive. Why are you so negative, bro? I said it's your fault. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, I anyway, bl- I blame you and you alone. Yeah, well, that you sound like my father. Anyway, I'm kidding. My dad loves me. He's coming up tomorrow. I'm excited to see him. Anyway, um. So, yeah, like I said, that's going to take up a good chunk of time here. Um, obviously, there's a few games to talk about. The Hurricanes are still, despite that injury, the season goes on, right? Um, they got a big win over the Winnipeg Jets last night, Tuesday night. A much, much, much needed win after all that have transpired over the weekend. Losing a big back-to-back, losing both ends of a big back-to-back against the Vegas Golden Knights and New Jersey Devils. Um, but then they were able to bounce back with that big win in their first game after the Svechnikov news had been announced. So, um, a, a bit of a positive note, I guess, to end on ahead of the podcast, at least if they dropped that one too, this one really would have been a probably unhappy episode, but I, I do want to start with that back to back. Um, cause it, it's alarming for one, um, just because we talked about how big that two game set would be. And, and I don't think it was really all that realistic to say, oh, they're going to win both ends of that. Like, it's two really, really good hockey teams that they were playing against in a back-to-back. It's not easy. But obviously the way in which it happened, getting shut out both times and really just not looking, to me, super competitive was a little bit of a 
it was discouraging. Like it, it just was. And every team goes through lulls and there's definitely something to be said for the hurricanes just kind of had one at a really bad time. But at the same time, I, I think you can look at those two games and look at a lot of the same issues that have plagued this team for a long time. Definitely read their ugly head. The power play had some big opportunities in both of those games to either, well, to get back into those games. It seemed like they were already trailing in most of the instances I'm thinking back on, but they just go out and they're pretty lifeless and like don't generate anything. And it's, it's tough human nature to bounce back from that and, and get on the forecheck and get to the hurricanes game when you have something that's so discouraging. And I think those were a big, big areas in those games to point to was the power play being really ineffective at really bad times. And generally speaking, obviously they got shut out in both games. It makes you nervous about the finishing. And now, again, this is something we're going to get to a lot later, but those games were with Svechnikov. Now you're going to be without one of your most talented offensive players, one of your best finishers, and a guy that, generally speaking, creates a ton of offense. So definitely some cause for concern right now. Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's two games, you know? Like, at the end of the day, those two games don't really mean that much. The Hurricanes have some time between now and the end of the regular season to redefine roles and figure out what the hell they're going to do moving forward. So let me offer, not necessarily, well, it is a differing opinion, but it's not a you're wrong and I'm right type of thing. More just like devil's advocate, but I truly believe this. Especially in the Vegas game, the Hurricanes were getting a ton of scoring chances. They did. They just converted on zero of them because, for one, and this this was partially a good thing, Stefan Nason had a few scoring chances. However, it's Stefan Nason. <laughs> He's not an, a great goal scorer at the NHL level. Oh, he scored 50 last year? Yes, but that was in the AHL. It's a very different beast, right? Yeah. So Jonathan Quick was also playing like out of his mind. This was like early 2010s to Stanley Cup Jonathan Quick. And of course it was, right? <laughs> like, of course it was. Like that. that is the most Carolina Hurricanes thing to happen this year other than two star players going down with literally season-ending injuries. But again, even though the Canes got shut out, it's not like they played poorly. They just couldn't get scoring chances, and Vegas capitalized on all of their scoring chances. And shutouts always have a way of like kind of making things worse or seem worse than they are. Because obviously if your team doesn't score, you're you're kind of annoyed and – you start wondering a little bit more about your team. But the Canes didn't play poorly. They just didn't get the bounces. The New Jersey game was a little more frustrating. But then again, like Rod said after the game, he was like, we gave them two goals right at the beginning. And he's like, we just didn't come back from that. We couldn't come back from that. And I agree with him. You, I mean, Calvin DeHaan gift-wrapped I think two goals in that game, at least one goals that come off of turnovers are a lot harder because they stick in your head. They're deflating. Yeah. And I mean, again, 
they generated chances. They just couldn't score. The finishing, yes, it's a concern. But at the same time, I'd be more worried if they were just getting completely flat out dominated every game, but they're not. They're competitive every game. They're generating a ton of scoring chances, and eventually those balances are going are going in. It's just a matter of time for this for this team. This team is too good to not score goals. I think the the concern that a lot of people have that that might be warranted is how does our finishing look without Svetch? But I also think you know the Hurricanes are getting incredible contributions from. Jesperi Kokaniemi right now. He's a player, yeah, he's only got 13 goals, but... 14. 14 because of the empty netter, you're right. But his offensive game has gone, like, leaps and bounds over the course of this past season. Kokaniemi is, I think, going to... He's not going to make up for that offense, but I think him stepping up and continuing to improve offensively like he has for these past few months, especially, that's going to be a big deal for the Hurricanes. The biggest player I think that I'm looking at right now is Natchez. Um, I was at the game last night and I love Martin Natchez, but oh my God, when he's off his game, he's awful. And last night was brutal he's trying to do way too much which is what he was trying to do last year yeah and the shit that annoyed me about natchez in last night's game is he's three zone entries where he's trying to go in one on five or like one on three even and trying to do all this crazy stuff and then immediately turns the puck over kane's offensive rush is dead pucks going the other way and I'm sitting here like, oh my god, like you're killing offense. Yeah. And and Natchez has had a consistent problem with that since he broke into the league. Natchez has to stop doing that. He's got to keep doing what he was doing before. And I mean, he's great when he has his own entry, but sometimes it, it's okay to just dump the puck in. <laughs> right. Like you don't you like entering the zone with possessions awesome, but the way the hurricanes work is they just forecheck the shit out of you. And Natchez is trying to go in one-on-three and can't. Like, he, he's got to be better. And that's that's a player that, you know, if he's not going in the playoffs, then I don't know, man. Because I'm not loving what I'm seeing from Jarvis right now. Puliarvi is not an offensive player. I, he I can't like, make a pass. I do. I like him, but he is like not him. a passer. No, he, his, his offensive toolkit in general is just not great. I've liked his energy level though, and I feel like he can create space in a little bit of a better version of that role that like Martinuk used to play next to Aho. You know, he's got a little bit more hands and skill than Martinuk does, but he he does kind of fill a similar role in when he's playing up there to me. Um but yeah, Jarvis lately has not given the Hurricanes what they need. I made a joke the other day that somebody needs to create a trade rumor about him again so that he can go off like he did when he was people were throwing his name around in the mire. <laughs> like five games didn't. Right. And all of a sudden he was like a superstar. And Aho, man, his legs are getting back, which I, I think is an improvement because I don't even think he had those for a couple of games there. He just looked like not really engaged. 
but his hands are fighting him a little bit right now. Aho doesn't look right to me right this second. And it's not last just... night. Last night was a rough, rough night for the Aho line, um, especially against the Jets. And I do want to say, like, I want to go back to the point you made. We, we talked about this before the podcast, too. I don't think they played by any stretch one of their best games against the Jets. I think the biggest difference was they got a couple of bounces. Early yeah, on. they got the bounces that they weren't getting in those two games where they got shut out. They like the the perfect example of that is the Yasperi Kokiniemi wraparound goal. That and the Slavin goal both. Those, those goals, like I mean, the Slavin goal. I I said to my wife at the game, I was like, "Of course, that's the goal the Kings Get score that. after getting shut out twice." Yeah, that's that's the drop breaker. That's what they needed. They just got. I know, but it, it's like it's hilarious. Like that fluky ass goal is the goal that you know opened the dam. Like the Kokinemi goal, like that is not a goal that should go in on an NHL goaltender. I'm yeah. sorry, David Riddick. He has to be up there with Jacob Markstrom for like most funny goals allowed in the NHL. You know what I'm talking about. Like, because when when David Riddick is like on his game, he's like a pretty good middle of the league goalie. But like, when he's off of his game, the goals that he lets up are just hilarious. And Markstrom's the same way in the sense of like, he thinks he's Martin Brodeur when he plays the puck, and he's not. He looks like Justin Peters when he's playing the puck. That's that's a very that's like that's a dark days Canes uh reference for everybody there. But yeah. The Canes were just getting the bounces. They 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 scored an empty net goal, which I think they've been better at this year, but I remember last year that was like one of the team's biggest weaknesses outside of the power play. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't score an empty net. I remember that very well as well. It was pretty frustrating. Um uh, and now they don't want Svechnikov to do that either, so that's, I guess that's one area for concern. <laughs> I don't know, like half of Svech's goals last year, it felt like we're empty net goals. Yeah, but like, you know, thinking about it, I don't think, I feel like he hasn't scored that many this year. No, because we have other people too. We have Jordan Stahl. <laughs> I, um, I do, you know, with your mention of Jordan Stahl, I do just want to say that's another line that I'm a little concerned is getting a little worn down. Because Well, we saw Martinuk. I mean, Martinuk had a good game, but he's, no, I want to talk about that in in a bit, but we we saw that line. They just consistently grind and battle and wear down the opposition. You can't really ask more of that line. The problem is it's a checking line, and you've got two of those right now. We're getting huge contributions from the defense that we have all season long. Like I think. Most of our defensemen are on pace for career years or at least, you know, keeping pace with like pretty good years by their standards. I think Slavin's the only one whose offense has dipped a little bit this year. Yeah. And he's still playing out of his mind. Like he doesn't have to play offense, you know. Alvin's always secondary to him, yeah. Brent Burns obviously tied D'Angelo's record from last season for most points by a defenseman in Kane's history. I think since relocation, I, I believe. I believe it is a Hurricanes and not a Whalers record. Um, But he also made a hell of a play last night on a two-on-one. Brandon, I don't know if you saw, 
I did see that where he dove and then swung around. He dives and then swings the stick around. It's a beautiful play. And it's something I've been noticing with Burns all year long in that he is really good with his stick at like breaking up those plays. When they picked him up, there was some stat that like they put, it was like him and Slavin were like one and two in the league and like stick breakups or something like that. It's yeah, I mean he's great at it, and that's why he and Slavin have complemented each other so well. I think it's really funny, you know. We were ragging on Burns at the start of the year, but like when he got hot with this team, that was it. I mean, he he's been phenomenal for the Hurricanes. Um and I think, you know, seeing Shea, Pesci, Slavin, you know, all playing well. Hell, I mean, I'll even I'll even throw it Gostaspare. You know, I think the power play has looked better with him, even though it's not it hasn't scored since the Tampa game. I think the power play at least gets more chances. Um, that's it's a big deal, right? Yeah. So, Brandon, let's talk about the first Winnipeg goal, though. Jordan Martinuk entering the zone takes a knee on knee hit from I believe it's Sandberg. The Canes naturally swarm him, but the refs don't blow the puck dead. And Winnipeg goes the other way, three-on-one, goal. I'm not here to complain about the goal, because you play to the whistle. My question is, at what point, like, do you stop? Like, why don't you stop play when a player goes down? Yeah. Like in the end, that doesn't make sense to me. Like if a player is very obviously hurt, why would you not stop play? Because for some of these, they need to get help. Like obviously Martinuk came back and played that night, but if his knee gets blown out, he's not going to be able to get up and get off the ice. He's just going to be sitting there in pain for however long it takes for him to blow the damn whistle. So I was not watching at that point in time. I actually haven't, haven't even seen the hit. What was like happening immediately after that? Like the neon knee hit happened. Did neon knee hit? Canes swarm. Sandberg. Who, who had the puck when that happened? I think it had just turned to Winnipeg. If they were in the neutral zone or in their own end or something like that, then yeah, it should have been blown dead. Unless they were they were in they were in the Winnipeg zone because Martinuk had just tried his own entry. Were they like turning the, it back up ice and pretty clearly on a chance? Not until after the hit. So if the hit happened and like when they would have blown the whistle, if it was an obvious developing chance, like that's like what the rule says. Like if they if the other team has possession and they're going like in on a chance, like you gotta wait till the other team gets possession or whatever. Unless but like it's such a subjective rule too, because that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. There there needs to be and, like, here's the thing. The Canes benefited from this almost exact situation earlier this year. The Jarvis yeah. blows up somebody for Pittsburgh. I forget who it was. I think it was Brian Rust. It might have been. I think it was. And then they Penguins swarm Jarvis. Canes get a 2-on-0. Pesci wins the game in overtime. Right. I guess my I guess my question is, like... There needs to be, like, some sort of, like, 
it's it can't just be like oh unless the player seems to be in serious distress or it's a because there's so much room for interpretation yeah. yeah and that's the problem with a lot of nhl rules is a lot of nhl rules are more fluid than they are concrete yeah and and nhl refs have proven they don't need any authority Right. I mean, and here's the thing. We know player safety is a joke in the NHL. And and here's the thing. If if this was, I'm just going to throw out a name. If this was Austin Matthews laying on the ground, whistle blows. Guaranteed. If this was Connor McDavid, whistles blowing. It's Jordan Martin. The league's like, and play on. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like, you know, and I'm not even trying to be like, you know, all conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat and that. It's just like the league protects its stars. We know that. And I guess I just want the NHL. And this is something we've, we've talked about all season long. I just want consistency in the damn rules. I, figured <laughs> I just it. want them to know what I just want to know what's happening. And in any market, any market, not just Carolina where, you know, there's a lot of newer fans, right? Any market, you've got half the arena at least watching that play and wondering what the actual just happened. That's a problem. It's the same thing with the video reviews, with goalie interference. It's like, if half the arena is like, what the hell? That's a problem. I just think if a player's down, blow the play dead. Like you can't, you can't have it be like soccer where like the players are gonna like, oh god, oh no, they're going the other way. Time to like you know tear my ACL or you know like pretend to dare, tear it. You know, like you can't have the diving like there is in soccer. But like there has to be something in place for the NHL to be like, hey, this player just got hit knee on knee. We should probably stop play to make sure he's okay, because knees are important. Last I checked, I've I've heard they can be. Yes, yeah, like you know, especially for skating. I think I think it's pretty much required for for skating with both legs. Yes. All right. Well, like we said here, I mean, I don't think the Hurricanes played their best hockey in any of these last three games that we've been talking about tonight. The biggest difference is they started to get some bounces. So that's a good thing. Hopefully that means they're going to kind of get back into a little bit of a stride here. You know, I kind of want to wrap up with this before we go into, you know, the bulk of what I think we're going to talk about, but um, the hurricanes, and it's actually a pretty good segue, but the hurricanes are a team that they don't really rely on any one player super heavily. And I think that does, in some facets, work to their advantage with this situation. Um, They obviously are a defense-first team. I made a joke on Twitter that I think now they're probably going to start trying to win games zero to negative one. Um, (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) um, I think now they're going to rely on their team defense more than ever, and – it's going to be a real by committee approach. Um, obviously losing a player like Aho would be really, really bad. Losing a player like Svechnikov is really, really bad, but I think they have the possibility to withstand this. If they can, you know, their margin for error got a lot smaller. That's, that's another, the best way I can really put it. Like 
the Hurricanes were already going to have to play pretty perfect hockey to go on a Stanley Cup run, considering how loaded the rest of the Eastern Conference is. But that's really true for just about any team. Like, you have to hit your stride and play at your best when it matters most. And without Sveshnikov, I think that, you know, margin for error shrinks even more. But the season's not over, you know. There's a lot of talent in that room. They have the ability to still go on a run here. My biggest concern, I mean, obviously there's the finishing in the power play, but if this is going to be the Hurricanes' new route, is that defensive, you know, stingy, try to win with your defense, my biggest concern, honestly, becomes Frederick Anderson. And I kind of want to get your thoughts here, but, like, I just – he just doesn't seem quite right to me this year. A lot of his goals are just kind of five hole sloppy, like not he's his quickness, which is not really his strong suit anyway, just seems very absent. So that's, that's one of my bigger concerns that I don't think is getting talked about very much right now. So what do you think? Freddie has not been great this year but he's not the problem. I agree. I don't think he's the problem, but like, I think this fan base in general gets way too quick to blame a goalie. Um, yes, but I'm just saying that stems. It stems from the cam ward days. And that is what it is. This fan base is way too quick to blame a goalie. Yes. Freddie has not played at the Vezina caliber season that he had last season. If it wasn't for Shesterkin, Freddie's winning that Vezina. Maybe because he plays in Carolina. So I don't know. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? This year, Freddie has just been good. And I'd say some nights he's been bad. But for the most part, he's been consistently good. And the team in front of him, I look at the goals last night. One of those goals, one of those three goals was on him. And it's Nikolai Ehlers, who is a good goal scorer. He only has seven this year, but historically, he's been a very good goal scorer. The other two goals, first one, obviously, we just talked about it. They get a three-on-one after the Hurricanes decide to rush Sandberg. Can't do anything about that. That's just shitty luck. Third goal, Canes leave Nino wide open on the back door. Yeah. What the hell is Anderson going to do about that? Right. Obviously, you know, it's not like that every night, but like I look at some of these things. I look, go back to the New Jersey game. I know Piotr was in net. Two of those three goals were turnovers. It's, it's on the Hurricanes to play better in front. And unfortunately, you know, you know, what happens a lot of the time is if, is the Hurricanes have a tendency where a lot of their mistakes end up in the back of the net because a lot of their mistakes are turnovers right in front of the damn net. Yeah. So I I think Anderson, yes, I think he needs to be better. Yes, I would have liked to have a save, especially on that second Winnipeg goal. But for me, this team, even without Svetch, is still good enough to win. They just need to get good, maybe even slightly good, slightly better than good goaltending. But that's my question. The goalies that's need to be healthy. That's literally the question I'm getting at here is like, can Freddie Anderson be the guy on what the Hurricanes are kind of going to have to do now in order to make a run? That's I think question. he can. 
He the and the reason he didn't in Toronto is is because I I don't think Toronto's defense is as good. Surely, sure. yeah. Like Toronto has no question about it an elite offense, but historically the one thing they've lacked in the playoffs is goaltending and defense. The problem is if your defense isn't good, can't really make your goalie look good. All right. Kane's kind of do both because now they've got Freddie who is a legitimately good goalie and has been for years and they have a good defense that if the right players are playing doesn't often screw up. And I think that getting Chatfield back is going to help because like, man, I mean, last night, a Coglin Gostas bear pairing is the stuff of nightmares. Like, Coglin, I didn't think he was that bad. Like I thought he was okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Like this, I think, I think that Freddie's good enough. The, that's what I'm getting at. Freddie's good enough, and the only way I would start to panic is if you run with Ranta and Kochekov again. Because yes, Ranta had that like crazy point streak, and he may still even be on it. I'm honestly not sure, but the, he just has a habit of like. Not looking great, but the Canes still find a way to win. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case in the playoffs. Yeah. Or generally speaking, moving forward now that they're without Svechnikov. But anyway, like I alluded to in the beginning, there's really a lot of different routes I want to take this whole Svechnikov is now gone thing. We've already hinted on a couple of them. Um, Obviously, the team did call up Jack Drury from the Chicago Wolves. That's one thing we haven't talked about yet. Um. I think Drury's an NHL player. I, I think I literally said it last week that in pretty much any other system, he probably would have spent a whole lot more time in the NHL this year than he has. Um, and of course, a week later, here we are. Not how I wanted that to unfold, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> um, he did score a goal, his first of the season, and I think his 21st or 22nd game. Um, so really good to see him come up and immediately find the back of the net. You know what you're getting out of Drury. I don't think he's a star NHL player by any stretch, but he's solid defensively. He's going to fit in with what the Hurricanes want to do, like we were just talking about a minute ago, as a defensively sound team. I also I saw something on Twitter talking about, look, you know I'm the biggest Jameson Reese fan there is, but I saw somebody say, I don't understand why you don't go with a more offensive-centric player instead of Jack Drury. And again, as big a Reese fan as I am, he is one of the players he mentioned as a potential to call up. I don't think that would have been super wise, but I do think at some point I would like to see Jameson Reese Panamara potentially get a chance. They did move Svechnikov over to LTIR today, so they have the cap space to be able to try a couple of guys out down the stretch. But to actually replace Svechnikov, it's not going to be Jack Drury, just like it's not going to be Jamison Reese, and it's not going to be Vesely Ponomarev. The players that are going to have to step up to, to replace Svechnikov's production, you already talked about one of them. Martin Natchez is going to have to continue to be, if not find a higher gear than he has all season. And he's been nearly... Yeah, it's the, it's the guys player. in the room. It's right. the guys that were already there. Yep. Again, another one you already talked about, Jesperi Kokaniemi playing some great hockey right now. He has to continue that if the Hurricanes are going to make a run. And then I think there's two guys also been on the roster all all year that have to find a much higher gear that I think have been a little underwhelming. And once again, I'm kind of repeating something you said in one of these cases anyway, which Seth Jarvis, um, 
the Hurricanes need him to be the player he was in the playoffs last season. And the other is Tebow Teravainen, who I did want to talk about here a little bit. I think Tebo, <laughs> I just combined tw- Tebo and Turbo. Um, I think Tebo Teravainen has been pretty, pretty good lately. Uh, this has been a little bit of a disappointing year for him offensively. Obviously, he's been hurt, so part of that's not really in his control. Just took him a while to get back. But he's always been good defensively, even when he was struggling a little bit in the offensive end. But we are starting to see the points start to come again, too. So I think those four players are going to be kind of key. You kind of know what you're going to get out of Ajo. You like to think you know what you get out of that stall line, mostly defense, but hopefully they can pitch him with some goals here and there. And then that fourth line continues to play some pretty good hockey, even though I still think Derek Stepan's probably not really an NHL player anymore, but that's besides the point. So those four guys, Teravainen, Jarvis, Natchez, and Kokaniemi, those are the guys. No one player is going to replace them. All four of them have to do 25% more, and then maybe you kind of start to replace his production. Yeah, so with, with Teravainen, the concern that I have right now is – he had a hat trick against Tampa, right? Other than that, Teravainen has been held scoreless in two, three, four, five, six, seven of his last 10 games. He has five points in that stretch, and three of them came in one game. Teravainen was looking really good from like start of January to the middle of February. But now he's he again his production has dried up a little bit. And I think this season he has struggled. I think he's not been healthy this whole year for sure. I also think he's been a bit of a whipping boy from the fan base this year. He does need to be better. But last night, you know, take take plus minus for for a grain of salt, but he was a plus 4. Like he was on the ice when the Hurricanes were scoring. And honestly, Jesperi Kokaniemi centered that line. He was our best player that night or last night. Teravainen does need to be better. And I think he needs to find more consistent offense. I think the the bigger concern I have is Jarvis. Because if Jarvis isn't with Ajo, I don't know how effective he is. And if Jarvis is with Ajo, Teravainen can't be with Ajo as well because that line will create no space to work. That line will get bullied in the playoffs, quite frankly. Part of what has made Tavo Teravainen so good is Sebastian Ajo, who has the habit, like all players do, like all elite players do, of making the players around him better. I mean, hell, he made Michael Furland look like, you know, a legit superstar when he was here for a little bit. <laughs> but, like, you get the point what I'm saying is, like, you know, Teravainen being off of Ajo's line means less production for Teravainen. That's just, like, that's cut and dry truth. But at the same time, if you take Jarvis off that line and swap him with Ajo, then Jarvis is not going to be as good. So it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Going to the call-ups real quick. For one, the reason they called up Jack Drury, he has NHL games. He's an NHL player. And again, like you said, you're not replacing Svetch. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to add is, like, now you have the opportunity to call up a guy like Reese, a guy like Panamarev even. 
they canceled i know it's so silly but like they canceled kane's corner with martinook today and i'm really wondering if it was that because of the hit he he took last night if he's hurt even if he's only going to be hurt for like a couple games you got to call, call up reese you got to why call not him. call up like reese panamara hell even suzuki yeah suzuki's been playing why not call one of those guys up and say you know like say hey your play like you've earned it with how you've played this season. Let's see what you got. And I, I, that's a huge confidence boost for a player. So if Martinuk's hurt, it, it sucks, but it does open up the spot or the, the possibility for a young prospect to get their shot. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've kind of gone over a lot of it. I feel like this is something that we sort of, mapped out all these ideas in the beginning and like even though i was like oh we're going to talk about this and this and this we kind of touched on them a lot in our prior prior sections you know with like the players that need to step up we kind of already outlined that you know what i mean so there's no point in just kind of rambling on repeating ourselves here but oh (laughs) we should probably do the ad break at some point i guess we've forgotten Mm -hmm. to do that but uh no time like the present, right? Um, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a quick minute, get a word from our friends over at DraftKings. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tourney. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. That means if you want to go on my red-hot Duke Blue Devils with their suffocating defense, or if you want to play the underdog game, man, look at all these awesome upsets we've had just in day one of the tournament. Arizona, a two-seed, getting knocked out by Ivy League Princeton, a 15. Virginia once again going down in the first round to a heavy underdog. There's so many options out there. Get over to DraftKings, and your opportunities are endless to make you some money. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. And we're back. Oh, love me some DraftKings. Yeah, me too, bro. And we're back. Yes, baby. Um, just to wrap things up here, I feel like a torn ACL is a pretty common sports injury, you know, like it's not something that you never hear about. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty common, but I feel like hockey, it's less true. You know what I mean? Like how many times have you really heard of a hockey player tearing his ACL? James Wisniewski. That happened. Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton. Okay. Actually, Joe Thornton, I think, played with both his knees. Or no, his in one knee, he tore both his ACL and MCL and still played in the playoffs because hockey. <laughs> Gotta love it. And you know old hockey men everywhere were like, that's a real hockey player, except oh, in Canadian. Absolutely ate that shit up. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, I I am kind of curious – what this is going to do from a long-term perspective. ACL tears are not the damning injury they used to be. 
So there's a lot of solace to take in that. Like we should expect to see Sveshnikov, I think, back to 100% eventually. You know what I mean? I do worry mostly just about like the timing of it. You know, like this is happening to a 22-year-old player that's figuring it out. You know, like he's getting better. He This is pretty important development time in a way. Like he's already kind of arrived as a as a borderline star player, but I've always talked about I think there's more to give. I don't know. I, I just I'm kind of curious A to see how long this even takes, because like it's mid-March when he's getting this surgery. That's a six month at least recovery time. Is he even yeah. ready for camp next year? You know, there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered. And this is not all stuff that we really have to worry about today. We just found out this even happened, you know. But it just sucks, man. (laughs) Like, I guess that's really all I'm getting at here. I, You know, the Hurricanes are such a good team and so close to a Stanley Cup. And now instead they're – I just – I don't know what to make of this team now, really. They're still really good. But so many things are going to have to break right, and I, I don't know. It becomes a really interesting summer for me, too, and that's definitely something we don't have to talk about today. But this is a t- this is a hockey team that won that has won without Svechnikov before. This is a core that has won without Svechnikov before, and this is a team that this year has won games without Jacob Slavin and Sebastian Ajo. Players that arguably have more of an impact than Svechnikov does. Yeah. Arguably. Don't yell at me on Twitter. <laughs> but you get the point, right? Like, this team has shown that they can win, they can overcome adversity, whatever analogy or phrase you want to use to describe what they're going through right now. They've shown that they can do that. It's just now a matter of doing it. And I strongly believe that they can. If this was a team that was coached by any other player, I'd be like, or any other person, maybe I have a little more doubt in my mind. I don't know, man. I cannot doubt Rod Lindemore in good conscience. That's true. And it's like I said earlier, like it's a good thing they have as much time now to kind of figure out what's next. Yeah. Um, there's still a few weeks to go, almost an entire month, actually, before the playoffs begin. These next few games are against – they still have a really, really tough month of March to finish out. Like, we still are going to figure out pretty quickly what the plan is and where you go from here and who's going to fill what role. I don't know, man. It, it's 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 a rough podcast because it's just like, shit. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what I said at the very beginning. I What, what do we do now? But – this team didn't get to what are they 44 16 and 9 or something like that they didn't get here because of andre svechnikov alone 44 14 and 8 i was way off but whatever they didn't get here because of one player and they're not going to go down because he's gone so call up reese call up ponomarev maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and those kids give you a nice little lift here to finish out the season who knows Fresh legs, a lot of energy between those two guys. And Reese is the kind of asshole you need, especially now without your biggest asshole in Svechnikov. So, that's my thoughts. 
I do want to throw in, apparently there were some weird audio issues towards the end of last week's pod. Don't know what happened. Could have been something I did during editing. Could have been just a glitch with Spotify or whatever platform you listened on. Could have been, I, I don't know what it was, but um, I'll be sure to pay close attention this week and make sure there's nothing on my end. But also, um, maybe going to try to do a video tomorrow or at least record it and then we'll try to get it out. Whenever I have time and I'm off work. My birthday is Sunday, so don't expect me to do a whole lot this weekend. But Happy uh, birthday in advance. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'll be fucking 29 by the time you talk to me again. I'll be old as shit, so one more year. I turn, I turn 25 in a month. It is wild to me. I'm going to be a quarter of a century. I have one year and four days left of my 20s, and it's kind of depressing to think about. But anyway. You suck. Mm-hmm. Old man. Feel like well, it. folks, it's been it's been fun. Uh, has it been fun? <laughs> I was gonna say, has it though? Here's the thing: I always enjoy this podcast. I always enjoy recording the podcast, so that is fun. The topics may not have been fun, but recording the podcast is fun. So, therefore, it has been fun, <laughs> folks. I think, therefore, I am. Yeah, right, exactly. I'm pontificating on this podcast. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Obviously, it does suck with Svechnikov going out, but this is still a damn good hockey team. Don't forget that. Folks, even with the injury, it is still a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 